0: Hey guys, I'm Norb and I'm Mike and we are the Watchmen. The men who watch. If it's on a screen, we're watching it and sharing our thoughts about it
1: with you guys. Today we are going to do a spoiler full review of the movie Joker. So before we get into it, just want to quickly thank all of
0: you who are watching us on YouTube please continue to do so. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Uh, It helps us out a lot, and we really uh, appreciate it. And for those of you who are listening on our podcast, thank you for doing that as well, and please continue to listen and subscribe and tell others about it. We appreciate
1: all of your support. So, Mike, let's get into it. The movie, Joker. Joker stars Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and provides a possible origin story for the character. Set in 1981, it follows Arthur Fleck, a failed stand up comedian whose descent into insanity and nihilism inspires a violent countercultural revolution against the wealthy in a decaying Gotham city. So we saw this together. We did. I think, if, uh, correct me if I'm
0: wrong, but did we see this in a Dolby theater?
1: Uh,
0: Not sure. I don't think so. We saw it at South Center. I remember it was in, yeah, which there is a Dolby Theater down there. But, uh, yeah, this is, um, I guess I'll start in on it. But obviously we chose to do this movie because we both uh, enjoyed it. And I think we more than enjoyed it. I remember walking out of there with multiple feelings because, one, it felt like you really went through a journey with somebody and probably one of the best depictions of a person who was really... You went alongside of what it would be like to go with someone who's really struggling with... Mental illness. Mental illness. And I think that's what is brilliant about the way they marketed this film, is that it's Joker. So you think it's a superhero film or a superhero villain film, but it really isn't. its It's a story, a character story about... Mental, Ill- mental illness. And they do a really good job of putting you with that character and what he went through um, at the start of his journey and to where he transforms into the Joker.
1: So I have seen this movie three times. Oh, I saw it with you, mm-hmm. and then I watched it with my friend Rob, and I watched it with my friend Byron. They both wanted to see it, and I'd had a copy, so they came over to watch it at my place. <clears throat> and what's interesting is, after seeing it three times... I don't want to see it again because it is a really really heavy heavy movie and I just I don't need to go through it anymore. I I and I liked it. It was great. Uh but it's it's been a, interesting for me to feel that way where I don't want to watch it anymore cuz it is a real downer. Right. And and just after seeing it three times, I've I've got my film. Uh, I remember when we saw it, we liked it a lot and, and it had, it had a few little moments of humor that were kind of sprinkled throughout that, that were pretty good. You know, the line about mini golf, you know, he makes a joke with this, this small midget. He says, so with, with mini golf, with you, is it just golf? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And yeah. uh, when he walks into the glass at the hospital, when he tries to get away from the detectives, and he just walks right into, right into, it, into the it's door. Hard. Yeah. That was not. Didn't see that coming. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed the director's behind the scenes story about how he basically tricked the studios into thinking this was going to be a comic book character movie, but it was really a movie about mental illness disguised as a yeah. comic book movie. And that was that was very very good thinking on his part because I think he's right. If he'd have just sold it, it probably would have been hard to get this movie made.
0: Yeah. And even though you kind of get bait and switched, you really don't feel like you got ripped off or something. Instead, you just went down this really powerful, depressing journey of this character. You almost forget that the Joker is part of this. It's not even really like, wait a minute, I want to see the Joker laughing and being the superhero, uh, villain guy. But it, it, you just end up going through what he's going through. And Joaquin Phoenix, um, he's always been one of those actors who tends to play kind of slightly off-kilter characters, and this was definitely no exception. I was reading up a little bit more behind the scenes, and the, the director, when he wrote this script, he said he actually had him in mind as he wrote this. He said, I think for him, he said he could better write scenes for him knowing who the actor was to be playing that part. And... It it's perfect because it fits him just perfect he has the the right sort of quirkiness the right bit of just sort of something off to feel like he's on that edge all the time and uh even his body type you know is a little bit you know he's definitely lost weight for the show uh but even in general he just has kind of a you know not your typical type of uh you know, body that I think for this, it, it just, all of that, all those attributes, personality and physically uh, worked well together to create uh, the perfect character to depict, you know, um, what he was going through.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, do you remember the soundtrack? It was a very... I do. Um,
0: yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, I actually looked her up. She has a very hard name to pronounce. Uh, her name is Hilder Iguana Dotir, And I don't even know what type of name that is. It's European of some kind. But um, she's done some other movies. The The Arrival um, was one that she had scored. I did not know that. I didn't know her name really until the show. But yes, the, the music really jumped out. And that's why I was thinking we saw it in Adobe Theater. Because I remember the music really was very subtly powerful. And it was driven by... She's a cellist. And so the main melody is yeah. this... Ooh, 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 and it just repeats but it has this dark gloomy yep. ap- depressing uh, you know, depressing but it's very fitting it fits this perfectly but it it, it gets under your skin a little bit but it, yep. it worked really well but yes it was very strong in the theater but I, that's one thing i remember um walking out from
1: but Dolby Theater or not, it had a very powerful score and it worked just well for this show. I like the line in the, in the movie that it was in his notebook, and uh, they used it in the trailer, but where he says, The hardest thing about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. And that was a very profound statement, very true, uh, something I think we all need to remember. Uh, when being around people like that, is that mm-hmm. you need to you need to have tolerance and understanding of of that? You know, they're not behaving a certain way because they want to; they are yeah. because that's that's part of their illness. Well, one and of I his, really like that.
0: One of his conditions in the show is that he would start laughing uncontrollably, like the Joker does. But that was part of his condition. Is that he even had a little card that he would hand out saying, mm-hmm. "I have a condition," you know that. Uh, that That is why he laughs for in very inappropriate times for something that's not even funny. But he would just start laughing, and people would look at him like he's crazy, or, you know, and get some people to really go off on him because they think they're laughing, he's laughing at them, uh, which is part of a lot of what happens to form his character in this story. So, yeah, the, the, again, the, it really does. Very few movies focus on, you know, mental illness. And this one did it in, a, in such a, a good way where you didn't have to hit on the head like, we're gonna talk about mental illness in this movie. Instead it was just this character dealing with some things beyond his control and circumstances that just sort of were really put anybody in his shoes and it would be really hard to not come out of that, you know, disturbed in some fashion. I I, I think what I was mentioning about his physical uh build, and he's definitely very thin in the show, and I read that he'd actually about two months to go before production, he was at an average weight, and the director was kinda of like, So are you gonna do something to you know lose weight for this uh you know a couple months away do you need us to get a nutritionist for you a workout person or anything like that and he's like no no I'm just gonna I got my way I've got a plan and basically his plan was just to stop eating you know much of anything he apparently ate like an apple a day with two months left to go before the shoot and he lost like 50 pounds in a span of less than two months and he looks very gangly, gangly. He's very, you know, thin and his, you know, just... You can see he, his ribs through you his see skin. his ribs, and... yeah, exactly. So he definitely, you know, is, you, see, you hear of actors who transform their bodies, you know, right before production, you know, lose weight or gain weight. Well, he definitely did the weight loss thing in this, and it adds to it. You definitely look at him, he just doesn't look healthy. It looks like there's definitely, you know, this guy needs to eat a sandwich and uh, get some help. But, you know, clearly we see that getting help isn't as easy. You know, he tries to, and it's just simply, you find he just doesn't have a lot of solutions. And I think that's what kind of the reality of it is. It's just, you realize how hard it is to just, you know, from the other side, we just say, oh, yeah, we need to get that person, we need to get them fixed,
1: make them right. Well, it's not that easy. It's easier said than done. There are two parts of this movie when we first <coughs> saw it that, that I was glad it got rectified because... When it was happening, I was thinking, uh, I don't think I'm in- into this movie anymore. But the first part was where he started to romance a, a neighbor of his down the hall, and she was a an attractive woman. And I kept thinking, there's no way she'd be interested in this guy. He's just, it's just, I don't see it. And yet, shows him out having coffee, and she's she's basically there for him. But eventually, it turns out that it was all in his mind and he he actually goes in and she wants him to leave her apartment. And, and he's going downhill fast. And you kind of don't know what happens there. They, they left that open-ended, but once that rectified itself later in the movie, I was like, okay, good. The second part was where it started down this storyline that he was Thomas Wayne's uh, long lost son and, or Bruce Wayne's half brother I thought that was stupid i I remember thinking really you're going to try to make it look like he's 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 related to bruce Wayne well and, and
0: the part of the storyline
1: with his mother is that he
0: kept the, this continuing thing was he's not getting back to me it's like the 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 mom is you know his son believes his mom you know had this relationship with him and but he he won't let him back her back into his life, so there's this constant yeah. you need to reconnect, send letters or whatever and you're you're thinking is this going to ever happen? And then turns you find out, out his mom made
1: it up it was all it was all, it was all uh, made up figment. and then I was like okay all right that's good I'm back I'm back you don't when they try to make things too convenient in a movie I, I lose interest quickly so but that was re- all those things were rectified before the movie is over so I I was I was still in and back and and to the end I was good with the rest of it it, it definitely had a surprising end with Robert de Niro's character I still think probably when I, if I were look back to be a little critical I would say that I just don't think a talk show host would ever play a comedian's, you know, video on his show without permission of the comedian to ma- and then make fun of him. That was one part of the movie probably that I, I think I had to look past a little bit. I don't know. I mean, a lot of times
0: you'll see hosts, talk show hosts play random clips of funny things you know maybe not to the degree of this where it's like a guy's actual stand. That's show. what I mean though. But, He's basically saying this guy
1: know. wants to be a comedian. Look how terrible he is. Yeah. Let's all laugh at him. Yeah. So, uh, you know,
0: I guess you know in a social media world where, you know, th- there are there's a lot of, you know, pulling up stuff and things like that, I guess it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but yeah, it it definitely was a convenient setup to what eventually happens at the end of that talk show appearance that they have. Speaking of the um uh talk show appearance, I read also that during the show, they have obviously a script, but what um, Joaquin did during the show is that he would do, they would do multiple takes like they always do in a film, but he actually would change what he would do drastically from one take to the next. Like that scene where he comes out of the, it, to make his appearance on the talk show, they did it like 15 different times, and every time he did it differently. He would come out dancing and shake hands. Another time, he came out behind the desk and, like, surprise them. Uh, it was different every single time. And he, he said—and and that was the, t- the case with a lot of his scenes. And he said he did that because he felt like this was an unpredictable character, that you never knew what he was going to do. And he felt like by being unpredictable on set, you would get more sort of genuine, unpredictable reactions from yeah, that's good. people. So I thought, that's interesting. Because normally, you know, as a director— We figure it out. We go, okay, this is what you're going to do. Here's your marks. You're going to say this. And you do it till you perfect that take. But the fact that he's doing a different thing every single time from a directing standpoint would be probably frustrating to try to get a sense of, oh, what are we doing here? But at the same time, that improvisational, unexpected, you know, take from one to the next probably allows for some comedic genius where, wow, I hadn't thought about doing it that way. That's really good. So, you know, I think... That was a pretty cool move. And I don't know which take they eventually took versus what the alternate takes are. But obviously they chose one eventually. But, you know, pretty cool. Very different from,
1: from how most uh, most movies are, yeah. are done. So but that It'd be that interesting twist. to see how this movie does over the long term. And I, I wonder, now that it's in a home video release, how many people are going to watch it? I mean, at the time, it was definitely the movie to see. Everyone was curious about you know, Joaquin is the Joker, but I guess it's like my wife. She is probably, she doesn't want to watch this movie. She just doesn't want to see it. And and I understand that. It, it It's obvious it's a depressing film. And some people just don't want to be depressed. And, and I get it. I mean, after watching it three times, I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, But I wonder how other people feel about watching this movie now if they haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, I, I definitely think that if there's a rewatch
0: meter, you know, that whether it be streaming and they see how many movie times the movie's been streamed, I'm sure it will be less because I'm the same way. I kind of watched it once. I haven't seen it since the one time we saw it. And I don't feel the need to see it again, you know, unless my kids just begged me. But I wouldn't let them see this film right now because it has some pretty <clears throat> violent scenes. That and it's just overall, this is just not a movie they need to see at this point of their life right now maybe later when they're a little older and a little more mature they can watch this and and um, be able to appreciate it more but right now it's just like yeah i don't need them to, to get, get exposed to that so i don't think anybody in my family outside of me is going to see this film and it probably be, will be one of those that doesn't get rewatched a lot a lot of people will just ignore it mm. but i think it's still a, a a great achievement in in cinema history for what they did the performance that Joaquin put in put through and um yeah, the, yeah. How will it be remembered? That's a, is a good question. You know, will it sort of be like a blip on the radar, and sort of like people will forget about it and go, "Oh, yeah, I remember that movie, Joker." Or will it last yeah. longer? Because prior to this, the greatest Joker performance we'd ever seen was, of course, from The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Um, this now has been looked at as kind of the rival performance, and maybe side by side. You know, maybe he did an even more powerful take on the character, even though very different circumstances. One was in the actual uh, superhero mode, the other one is the pre superhero mode. So it's kind of hard to compare the two, but both very equally powerful in terms of the way they depicted the Joker character. So, but Dark Knight definitely right now has the long lasting, probably <laughs> Joker wise, oh, yeah. as the top mantle. I don't know if uh, this will knock that one off the shelf even though it's equally powerful
1: you can't top heath ledger's performance in the dark knight i still Mm -hmm. think he's he is the greatest joker it's a difficult decision for me to say that because nicholson was a terrific joker in the 80s version of the batman movies and and i love nicholson's performance but heath ledger's performance to me was so much more surprising I mean, everyone knows what Jack Nicholson talks like and acts like, and so when he was going to be the Joker, you knew you were going to get Jack Nicholson talking like Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But and Heath Ledger, when he got the part, it was like, what? Heath Ledger, the guy from Ten Things I Hate About You? Yeah, really? Right. Right. And and so already, I was of the mindset it wasn't going to be very good, and that's again, sometimes the greatest surprises come out of your expectations but Heath Ledger gave such a memorable performance. We just want to talk about all the people that played Jokers over the years, and I can hear one of our roommates saying, hey, you're, 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 you you got to remember uh, Cesar Romero from the Batman the movie. You can't forget him. And I actually have seen Batman the movie, and that was Cesar Romero. He, he laughs a lot. He's pretty crazy, but uh, not as interesting to me. Yeah, Jack, Jack Nicholson's
0: performance is more related towards the look and style of you know the early '60s or whatever year that was when when they did the original Batman that uh, that Joker. So, it, it, although he made it his own, but he Heath Ledger definitely took it to a whole different place. Yeah, that was more unique to where they just said we're going to rewrite the book on the take on the Joker on this one, and um, and it became the powerful performance we remember him today by. Well, speaking and,
1: of rewrite the book, is it okay for me to go into the surprise? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, let's hear it. Speaking let's of books, it. so uh, we we did discuss the other, other actors that have played the Joker, and what I would share is when Heath Ledger signed on to play the Joker, Christopher Nolan said, I want you to read this book. This is called The Killing Joke, and it's very famous in the comic book world as The Defining Joker Story, and... So I read read it myself and it is disturbing super disturbing where it's so disturbing I don't think you could ever take what was in this story and put it in a movie but mm. it says on the front Tim Burton quote I love the killing joke it's my favorite it's the first comic I ever loved but that was what gave Heath Ledger the inspiration as he decided to started to figure out how he wanted to play this Joker so I thought I would just share that book as a little bit of a physical part of what what Heath Ledger did to play his Joker character
0: Hmm.
1: did not know that that's that's cool
0: All right. well that is our review of Joker Um, if you guys have any other uh, ideas for movies, TV shows or games or whatever you guys might want us to talk about Please let us know in the comments. And uh, again, we appreciate your guys' support. Keep watching us on YouTube and on our podcasts. And uh, this wraps it up. I'm Norb. And I'm
1: Mike. And we are The Watchmen. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching The Watchmen. Please click on here to watch other episodes and be sure to hit that like button too. And please subscribe and hit that notification bell. That way you'll always be alerted to any future episodes. It really helps us out and we appreciate it. We'll
0: see you next time. And remember, we'll be watching.